When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, I'm Sess Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Now, if you're feeling crazy busy, stressed or overwhelmed, then my next guest may be able to help. Melo Kalako is a renowned mindfulness and performance coach who teaches people how to conquer burnout, stay energized and perform at their best. He's been helping people be the best that they can be for over three decades and is a sought-after mindset coach who works with Fortune 500 companies, elite athletes, CEOs, and entrepreneurs. Hi, Mello. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Really look forward to our chat. Ah, it's my pleasure, Mello. Um, now... In the intro, we've discussed your background and um, how you are a mindfulness mindset performance coach. How did that happen, though? How how did you come to that journey? Was it something that you were always interested in? Always interested in helping people in one way, shape or another. And I feel it was a natural progression or evolution of my work, so... Some years ago, I used to do more physical therapies where I was helping people with injuries and especially, in particular, chronic injuries, which often led to mental health problems. So that was what I specialised in. And then um, I very quickly learnt that the body-mind connection was very important. So over the years, over the last three decades, it steered away from more the physical therapies and more the mental work that I do and um, yeah, love the diversity of people that I work with from mental health clients to CEOs to executives to athletes to actors and everything in between so yeah just a, just followed my heart along the way and just a natural evolution you know, took place and I love helping people I love seeing them get great results and you know, mindset and mindfulness is a great tool. Mm. So what was kind of the the turning point for you was there a specific moment that made you go yep, I'm going to really lean into this and this is what I'm going to do? I've thought about that a fair bit, actually. Um, was there a specific moment? And if anything, there was a, there was a moment, actually, where I've been practising meditation for about 30 years and um, there was a moment some years ago where meditation actually saved my life. You know, I, was, I was caught in a, a vicious storm and I had to meditate for... 12 hours to actually survive it's a quite a long story but um i realized then that the power of the mind is so important and if i can help people with the practices that i've learned and help people you know calm the storm their own literal storms um then i thought well i've got some tools and techniques that i've learned over these decades and i want to share it with the world hmm. how were you stuck in a storm for 12 hours that sounds terribly gruesome. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was a pretty crazy story. So um, I was riding my bike. I was actually training to to cycle around the world on my mountain bike. So it was one of my training runs. I was putting myself into all different conditions. And um, I was cycling out um, in South Australia, out in the sort of wilderness there. And um, the, the weather just turned really nasty. It was an unexpected cyclone, actually, that hit the, the terrain. And um, a tree hit me. And knocked me and my bike off of me and um, I had nowhere to shelter externally so my tent was damaged my cook set was damaged the world around me was chaos there was actually trees being uprooted um, cyclonic winds I was actually hypothermic so the, the external world around me was absolute mess and chaotic so I thought the only tool that I have is to go within and I remembered a, a breathing technique that my Tai Chi master taught me which actually brings up your core temperature so you know, I pretty much meditated from 6 p.m. all the way through to 6 a.m. I'm still not sure exactly what happened over those mm. course of 12 hours, but I was you know, dropping in and out of different brain frequencies, and I actually felt safe. I felt warm. I felt connected to myself. I felt secure, even though around me you know, there was trees being filled. It was raining and, and windy, but somehow I found that peace within, and I thought if I can find that in a, in a real storm, I can actually help other people in, you know, the chaos in their life, and it's a, a lot easier sort of than a than a real storm. So, yeah, crazy story, but um, <laughs> absolutely true. But when I reflect now, I think, well, that was probably one of the turning points that really made me believe in the power of meditation, the power of the breath, the power of the body and mind, and you can get through any situation you know, with a bit of belief and you know, some great techniques. Mm. Uh is it um, kind of rewarding these days because there's been a real shift towards uh, people embracing that mindfulness as a as something that they should make part of their everyday? Does it kind of feel validating for you that you, that's something that you you thought for a long time and now everyone's going, yes, we should be doing this? Yeah, good question, and and I love the word that you said, validated and. And more and more mindfulness and meditation techniques are being validated by science. And it's great over the last especially decade that a lot of the meditation work and researchers are coming up with some amazing data and amazing research. So it's great to know that, you know, I've been practicing over so many years and the science is catching up with it. And and in many ways it's breaking a lot of the skepticism around it because a lot of people think that meditation has to be cross-legged or or dreadlocks or incense or robes and all those sort of things but it doesn't have to be <laughs> mindfulness mindfulness put simply is is attention training and training your awareness to be in the present moment so often when i'm working with executives for example or ceos i don't even use the word meditation i say let's go train our focus or let's go train our attention or let's go reset our our awareness so um, i love that the science world is catching up with it definitely and validating the work that we do mm. <laughs> yeah because it was like kind of a bit disparaged and thought of as a bit kind of woo woo for a while wasn't mm. it yeah it, it is great but um it's interesting that you kind of temper your language depending on who you're working with so with mm. those ceos that maybe they do have some kind of skepticism still you talk more about focus rather than the other elements of like it's it's less about meditation and more about honing focus that's right that's right and I, and I can speak both languages I actually uh, 
lived and stayed in many monasteries along the way. So you know, when I cycled around the world, I did live and stay in monasteries and temples and immerse myself in all of those you know, spiritual Eastern practices. So I can speak that language and I can also speak the sort of Western clinical language because I've worked in psychiatric clinics for the last 15 odd years and working alongside psychiatrists and professors and psychologists. So for me, it's about making the language accessible to whoever I'm speaking to to make mm. it really easy to implement. Um, I love it when I get the sceptics that have their arms folded and think, mm, I'm not sure about this stuff, but then you know, they actually do the practices and you know, we do a few techniques and they say, they say, wow, there's actually something in this that's actually pretty good. So you've recently written a book called uh, Beating Burnout, Finding Balance. What prompted you to, to put uh, your learnings and practice into, into a book? A few things, really. So first of all, I'm just on a mission to help as many people as possible. So definitely over the pandemic period, I noticed a lot of burnout. A lot of the seminars and workshops that I was doing, people were really struggling with fatigue, exhaustion, mental health issues. And I supported thousands of people, in fact, about 75 to 80,000 people in virtual seminars and workshops um, around the world over that period. But I still felt the innate need to help more people. I felt I just want to help as many people as possible and get the word out there and get the message out there. And that's when I thought of actually writing a book and consolidating all my work that I've done over the years and putting it in one nice, easily digestible book to get it out to reach as many people as possible. So Mm. um, actually today is March the 1st uh, as we speak today and it is the official launch date. So it's actually on the shelves as I speak today. Very oh, awesome. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you. So you're absolutely right in that it's been a tough um, few years for people. Is 2023 the year that maybe we can um, start bouncing back and starting to feel a bit more balanced? I think so, or at least I hope so in many ways. And I see a lot of what I've seen in the work that I do and when I do you know, enter workplaces and go, see people and run seminars and workshops, I see a lot more optimism this year, a lot more people wanting to get going. You know, we've been in a bit of a two or three year limbo period where we felt like, you know, things were starting again, but then we got knocked down again and that was sort of going over for about two or three years. But now I feel there's a, let's let's get moving, let's get going, let's get on with things, let's start new things. I feel a sense of real positive enthusiasm and optimism and I see it a lot in the people that I work with including myself also. I'm sort of pumped and ready to go for this year. And um, my, my word for the year is unstoppable. I was going to do as many things as possible because the last few years have been quite sort of suppressing in a way. So definitely I'm hoping that the optimism continues on. Mm. So what would be some simple strategies that you think people could do on a daily basis that could help them improve their mindset and avoid that sense of burnout and overwhelm? First of all, I'd say self-awareness, like being aware that you are maybe tired or fatigued and, and doing some steps to actually work towards that, to rectify that. So it might just be you're feeling tired at work or you're feeling a bit scattered, you might just need a break, you know, go for a walk around the block or do a meditation practice or go make a cup of tea. So the first step is definitely self-awareness, because you can't change what you don't notice. And actually for the for the book that I uh, wrote, it's titled Beating Burnout, Finding Balance. 
I interviewed around about 200 people who had experienced burnout. And of those people that experienced burnout, 90% of them didn't even realise it was happening fully until it was too late, until they had some sort of episode like a panic attack or some sort of crisis. The other 10% was divided into two groups, 5% each. 5% sort of knew they were pushing the limits and you know working beyond their means, but they just kept going until something happened. Well, the other ones sort of felt that they were stressed and overwhelmed, but they actually didn't have the tools or techniques to, to come out of it or rectify or change it. So that's where it comes to self-awareness number, number one, catch yourself, catch yourself, catch yourself. And then from that, number two is to have the ability to self-regulate. So in a stressful situation or in an overwhelming situation, having some tools under your, under your belt in your toolkit that you can use to self-regulate. And that might be you know, a breathing exercise. It might be going for a walk. It might be something that you can do just to self-regulate that stress on a daily basis. And that could also be your basic fundamental self-care, making mm. sure you're eating well, sleeping well, exercising, meditating and doing all, all of those things. Because mm. in, many way, it's in many ways, sorry, that um, burnout is a consequence of a cumulative lack of self-care. So, so therefore, if we actually increase our self-care, and this might seem really fundamental, but if we make sure that we're eating well every day and getting good fuel and food into our body, making sure we're sleeping as best we can, making sure we're taking renewal breaks for the day, and making sure we're exercising, then we can actually reduce the, the risk of burnout to start with. Um, I'd like to unpack a few things that you've said um, mm. just then. The first being... 90% of people not even being aware that they were, were burnt out until it was too late. So what what could be some some signs for listeners that now that they might be experiencing burnout and not be aware of it? Well, there's a range of signs and symptoms really in many ways, and some of them are the very obvious physical sensations. So it might be just you know feeling drained or exhausted. It might be some migraines or headaches it might be tight jaw or neck, neck and shoulders some people actually feel it in their jaw general aches and pains through the body or it could also be often getting sick your immunity is quite low so all of these very obvious physical signs but often we sometimes ignore them could also be change of appetite or you know poor sleep patterns um, it's a bit like driving the car for example and the oil light comes on and we just keep driving the car and ignore it so we sometimes get these little signs we get these you know tight shoulders or neck so that's the physical ones first of all and then there's the emotional sort of signs that we might get we might feel a lack of self-worth we might feel a bit trapped or unmotivated you know, lethargic or maybe even a bit disengaged and disconnected with yourself and disconnected with the people around you perhaps mm. even some um negativity you know being a bit flat or you know moaning about things or a bit of cynicism so that's the emotional ones and also sometimes the behavioral symptoms that we might get when we're feeling burnt out where you just might withdraw you don't really feel like going out to see people a bit of social isolation you might be you know late for work or you might have sick days you might avoid difficult situations or difficult tasks so really there's those three sort of banners there physical emotional and behavioral so trying to catch and and be aware of those things is the first step and then realizing hey i need to do something about this mm. so then you also talked about like developing this self-awareness 
and how that can help you better balance your your energy and your emotions. Mm. So what is what is there something that you do every day? Is there are there like um I don't know habits that, yeah yeah habits or practices that that maybe we need to consider if we want to be more mindful mm. and healthier in our um, our outlook. Yeah, sure, definitely. There's you know, when it comes to mindfulness, there's two main practices really, or two main um, approaches. One is the formal practice of mindfulness, where you actually physically stop what you're doing, and that could be just ninety seconds, for example, where you might be busy and you just stop for ninety seconds, and you check in with your body, check in with your mind, how you're feeling, what are the sensations present. I typically start my day with a 20-minute practice and I, and I bookend my day with a 20-minute practice at the end of the day also. But even like the first moment you wake up in the morning before you rush out in your reactive way into your work day, maybe just lying there for a few minutes and taking a few breaths and checking in with yourself. How does the body feel? Is there any stress or tension anywhere? How's the mind feel? You know, setting yourself up with some positive intentions for the day. So there's that really simple sort of check-in with yourself throughout the day, even what's called a body scan meditation. So one of the uh, fundamental practices of formal practice of mindfulness is body scan, where you scan the body from the top of your head all the way down through your whole body down to your feet. And you can actually just feel and notice the sensations that might be around there, if there's any stress or tiredness or fatigue or tension. That's a great way to be more aware of your, the body and the mind. And the other practice is called the non-formal practice. So this is like all those things that you do in your day, but you do them more mindfully. So say, for example, you're brushing your teeth or having a shower or going for a walk. Very often our mind is not even there. It's not even present. You, know, you might be washing your hair, but you're thinking about something else, or you might be eating a meal, but you're doing something else at the same time. So this is also what's called attention training to train ourselves to be more present in the everyday things that we are doing. And both of these things will equally help you to train your attention to be more self-aware, the formal practice and the non-formal practice. Hmm. So you you mentioned you start your day with a 20-minute um, mm -hmm. mindset session. Or, um, um, that's not actually the words that you <laughs> use, but you get Mind what I mean, yeah. and you, and you yeah. finished your you finished your day the same way. What, what does that incur for you? So my morning routine is, my non-negotiable morning routine basically is, you know, I'll get up and I'll do a few you know, mindful breaths just to start the day and set some intentions for the morning before I even get out of bed. And then I'll go for a brisk walk, often take the dog for a nice brisk walk out in the fresh air to get that serotonin production, you know, getting going through the body early in the morning. And then I'll do a practice, I'll do a seated practice. And um, that meditation can be usually around about 20 minutes where I, I'll, you know, See, take a seat and just check in with my breath, use my breath as an anchor to anchor me into the present moment. And that's a typical mindfulness practice. Then after that, I'll have a healthy breakfast. So there's three wins before the day's even started. That's just for me. And that helps mm. me to you know, coach better and run seminars better and actually just be a better person in general. So that's the morning practice. And then throughout the day, before any meeting, before any seminar, before any coaching session that I do, I usually do these little 90-second snack meditations. So just stopping, pausing, and just following the breath for about 90 seconds just to reconnect to the present moment. It really helps you just get that clarity and focus. 
And then as best I can, I try to close my day at the end of my work day. And then I'll do another practice of, you know, close off all my notes, close all my tabs off on my computer, close all the tabs off in my mind and do another a short practice there again, seated, or sometimes I do a standing meditation practice. And that really helps me to close the work day and then enter into the evening with my family and, and my kids. So that's my sort of um, non-negotiable routines that I've been doing for many years. Mm. Uh, it's something I think that just stood out for me then was also you saying that it's something that's for you. And I think mm. for a lot of our listeners, they're small business owners, they're really time stressed, they're often don't take the time to do things that are just for them. So how vital is that in in self-care and and um, ensuring that you don't fall over mm. and, and end up overwhelmed and burnt out? The word that I used before, it's not negotiable, really, honestly. I'm a business owner myself, small business owner myself, and it's really easy to wear many hats and you know, do so many things. You're doing the marketing, you're doing the sales, you're doing the delivery, you're doing the operations, you're doing everything. And you can only do all of those things well if you're looking after yourself well. You know, my, my big mantra that I have for myself, and I share this with you know, many of my clients, is ask yourself this question every single day. What have I done for me today? What have I done that's just for me? What have I done that makes me feel good? What have I done that fills up my cup? Because as small business owners we're always doing things for other people you know trying to please our clients and you know work as best we can and do all the work we need to do but you'll only do that well if you look after yourself well mm. so true but <laughs> so often neglected <laughs> so often yes and again you know give yourself permission to stop also sometimes we're running on this fast treadmill pace of life and we feel that busy is productive but it's not always productive sometimes stopping for 10 minutes or five minutes or even 90 seconds can help your next two hours to be more productive. So the advice I'd give is give yourself permission to stop, pause, mm. check in with yourself, and then reset your intention and focus again. Mm. So what are some of your other favourite kind of stress busters? You mentioned um, walking with your dog. Would that be one of them? Yeah, definitely. My good old Coda, he's always my by my side, so he's patting your dog, you know, even hanging out with your family, whatever makes you feel good. So, you know, when it comes to the other domains of your life, you know, I always recommend that work is only one piece of it, right? It's only one piece of the pie. So looking at other things like, you know, socialising and making sure you have a social network around you that support you, that challenge you, that lift you up, that inspire you. So, you know, hanging out with friends as much as possible is one thing. Um, hobbies and interests are very important. A lot of people underestimate this, but having hobbies and interests that are outside of your work really can help you to take your mind off of work and you know, change or use different areas of your brain. So a lot of people underestimate that. But people that are the most resilient to stress are the ones that more have, have more hobbies and interests and do things outside of work. Mm. Yeah. I think that um, the do things outside of work thing is so important. It's mm. like that question people, which I hate, you, you meet someone and they're like, oh, what do you do? It's like... I'm I'm not actually just my job. <laughs> it's like I find it the most annoying question and I always answer with something that has nothing to do with my work. But but for so many people their identity is caught up in in what they do for a living. So is it about kind of 
identifying that and realizing there's more more to life than than that nine to five grind absolutely my response when especially when i'm out in a in a social setting when i haven't met many people before it might be sort of a networking event or something like that and someone asks me what do i do i have two responses normally one is you know i I like surfing i like being with my family i love traveling and all those sort of things and the the last thing i say would be work and the other thing i might sometimes say is like i'll I'll just pull out a random occupation just to give them a bit of a shock it might be like well I'm i'm a dolphin trainer actually (laughs) <laughs> and you get this response, it's like, oh, okay, that's interesting. But if you said, like, you're an accountant or something like that, they might sort of move on and go, you know, go somewhere else. But dolphin trainer, that sounds interesting. So they might stay, stick around and talk. So just, you know, just to have a bit of fun with it. So you know, our, our work should not identify us, definitely. And in many ways, mm-hmm. our work sometimes becomes our identity. And, and when that becomes, and we might love our work, don't get me wrong. You know, work is fantastic. I love my work. I love the work that I do but we also have to have other areas of our life to, to balance that wheel of life in many ways. Oh, I like that, the wheel of life. <laughs> um, now, resilience, that's something else that is a big buzzword at the moment. Um, people needing to build on their resilience to help them manage their stress. Is that also something that you work with your clients on? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. That's a... Uh... Again, it goes back to fundamental self-care, first of all. So first of all, being physically and mentally fit to start with. That would all build your resilience to start with. The other thing is actually observing your mind, becoming an observer of your mind, because often when it comes to stress, overwhelm, anxiety, it's our mind that gets carried away. We might get carried away into what-if scenarios, and that might create anxiety. We might catastrophize about the future or get stuck in the past and ruminate about things and so first of all it's about observing your mind and the mechanisms that go on in your mind and observe that as a third party almost and that's where mindfulness can really help you to actually observe your mind and don't let your mind carry you away so you become an observer of it which is really good and that's a powerful resource for resilience and the other thing i would say is really believing that you will always have the resources inside of you to cope with no matter what happens in the moment. You know, not next week, not next year, not next month, like right now in the moment, just believing truly that you will always have the resources inside of you no matter how difficult it is. But often the trouble comes when people start looking too far into the future and you cannot cope with that. So you start you know, getting overwhelmed about the future. What if I can't pay the bills? What if this happens? What if that happens? But that future doesn't exist. The only moment that exists is now, and you can always cope with the now. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's, what if is not actually a great thing unless you're an actor and you're practising Stanislavski method. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's, it's a mental phantom. It doesn't exist. But often when I have, you know, I work in, I work in mental health clinics and psychiatric clinics and uh, often when I ask somebody that's anxious or, or overwhelmed or negative, often it's a future thought about something that hasn't even happened yet and may not ever happen. And often it's a what-if scenario. What if this happens? What if that happens? And it all just becomes too much because we can't cope with the what-ifs. We can only cope with what is happening now. So how do you silence that voice if you do happen to have, um, you know, you're you're in a bit of a spiral and, and you mm. are thinking, oh, 
What if I can't pay the bills? What if I can't do this? What if I lose my job? What if, you know, the kids go hungry? Like if you've got all these thoughts going on, how mm. do you quiet your mind? Turn towards them, first of all. First of all, realise you are not your thoughts. Thoughts are just thoughts. That's all they are. And it's whether you feed them and entertain them or you observe them and you know, let them go or let them be. So realise you know, your thoughts don't identify you. It's the same as what we're saying about work there. It's not your identity. So when I work in mental health clinics, for example, if someone says to me, I am anxious or I am depressed, it means they're identifying with their thoughts. But they're just thoughts after all. So turn towards your thoughts. I have a very simple formula to, to silence them or to question um, your thoughts when you're having these negative thoughts or you're spiraling out of control. The formula is, it's golden formula. Really, it's super simple, and I share this with many clients. First of all, if you're having a negative, fearful, or uncertain thought, turn towards that thought and ask that thought, is it true? Is it real? Is it a fact? 99% of the time, it's not true. You know, what if this happens? What if that happens? Not even a true thought. So that's the first one. That'll catch 99% of any fearful, negative, or uncertain thoughts. And then the second layer underneath that, in case it slips through, is, is it helpful? Is it useful or helpful for me to even think about that? You know, so let's say you've got a big presentation tomorrow and you think you're going to, you know, you're going to make mistakes or you're going to get ridiculed or people are going to laugh at you or you're not going to do a good job. The first question you ask that thought is, is it true? No, it's not true at all. And is it helpful? Is it even helpful for me to think about that? Hopefully that helps. It's mm. good advice. <laughs> I'm sure um, many of our listeners will be able to put it to, into practice. So also in terms of, um, you know, quieting the negative thoughts and all those kind of things, that's a, a a great practice mindfulness is a great practice for that but um you also use mindfulness to coach people for success yeah mm -hmm. yes so what would be some tips for our for our listeners then how can they channel their thoughts to to be more focused and be more ready for success and opportunity yeah, great, great question. And yeah, I coach a lot of athletes, uh, high performers, executives, CEOs, etc., including Olympic athletes. And mindset is a huge one. It's a really big one. So first of all, having a growth mindset in many ways, a positive and a growth mindset. So you know, viewing the world with a bit of flexibility and adaptability, not having that fixed mindset. You, know, you want to be in control of everything. So being open-minded is, is a great one. And the other one is also setting positive intentions and affirmations. You know, every single day I do something that will you know, set myself up for a successful day ahead. And it could be just, you know, before you actually enter your day to look forward to things, to actually, instead of saying, oh my God, I've got three seminars today, plus two coaching sessions, plus I've got to do this podcast interview, plus I've got to do this. You just start your day in a reactive, stressful way. But I reframe that the moment I you know, wake up and look at my day ahead and I say, I'm really looking forward to that podcast session today with you and I'm looking forward to that seminar. So you actually rewire your brain to look forward to things. Mm -hmm. And also and also gratitude practice is, is very powerful in many ways to be grateful you know, for what you do have around you. So you know, you're rewiring yourself to tune into the good things around you. Mm -hmm. So that will help you to have that positive and, and growth mindset in many ways. 
And when it comes, we do to that court, at dinner sorry, every on. night. Oh, sorry to interrupt you. I was just no, go on, no, go we do on, that please. at dinner every night. But, so um, good with the kids. We go around the table, three things that they're grateful for from the day. Mm. And that's if so we good. forget to do practice. it, they remind us, which is great. <laughs> oh wow, that's really good. That you've ingrained <laughs> it into them. Yeah, that's really, and, and sometimes it can be the smallest thing. It can be you know someone opened the door for you, or someone bought you a coffee today, or someone yeah. did a little thing. So you start you know wiring yourself to see things positively. So that's more the positive mindset and the growth mindset there. But also when it comes to performance, is like it comes back to like attention training and. You know, when I ask leaders, for example, I, I ask them, when are you at your best? Or even an athlete, when are you at your best? And when they think about it for a while, the response is usually when I'm fully present. Mm. So an athlete might describe it as being in the flow state when just everything just seems easy. They might be playing their sport you know, with the ball or just effortless and ease because they're fully present with what is happening. You know, same as an executive you know, CEO or a leader, when they're fully present with their team, fully present on the task at hand, that's when they're at their best. So it is, again, coming back to attention training, focus training, and training yourself with mindfulness techniques to be fully present, fully aware, fully alive. What would be a simple practice someone could do to make sure that they are present in the moment to to keep their focus and attention on the now rather than on what might happen or what has already happened? Mm -hmm. I have a few simple ones to start with, like really 101. Um, First of all, it's tuning into the senses because the senses are a great portal to the present moment. Often when we feel stressed, we feel tense through the body, which is giving us a signal that we are stressed. But tuning into the senses so let's say you're you're a bit stressed you're a bit overwhelmed you're sitting behind your computer and you've got so many things going on just stopping and pausing and tune into the senses what do i see right now what do i feel right now what do i hear right now what do i smell right now and that's a great way to become present again and then on top of that what i teach my go-to first thing that i teach very often and it's very powerful is a 90 second breath break so just again stopping pausing and following your breath cycle for about 90 seconds you're taking deep invigorating breaths to give you more energy and vitality to the body and brain and then slow long exhales which will activate what's called the parasympathetic nervous system the opposite of the fight and flight response so 90 seconds can rewire your physiology to tell you that you're calm safe everything is fine so Tune into the senses and a 90-second breath break can do absolute wonders to you. I feel calm just listening to you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I think that's just about all we've got time for, Mello. So um, thank you again for joining me today. It's been a pleasure having you on the show and good luck with the release of the book. Thank you. Thanks for having me and thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Good luck, everybody. Try those 90-second breath breaks and ask yourself that question every day. What have I done for me today?